Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. As a paranormal investigator, one of your goals is to communicate with spirits. You hope that if you ask nicely, they'll reveal their presence by knocking on a wall or moving an object. But sometimes they don't want to be bothered. And if they're an angry spirit, they might have a way of telling you to leave them alone. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is my paranormal story. Before I start this episode, I want to thank you for listening. This podcast only exists because of supporters like you. But unfortunately, podcasts do cost money. So I'm hoping you'll show your support by visiting my website, myparanormalstory.com, and clicking on the donate button. Every little bit helps keep us on the air. Thank you so much for your support. The first location I ever investigated after joining Rise Up Paranormal was a small shop in Rhode Island, a quaint little store that specialized in crystals, stones, minerals, and other geological, earthy-type stuff. Baskets and boxes and tables full of quartz, rocks, fossils, and seashells, plus lots of Native American artifacts and decorations, too. You could spend hours in this store just looking at all the amazing things they had. They even cut and polished the stones for jewelry and decorations. Really amazing stuff. But along with their crystals and gems, they also claimed to have a spirit in the store. The owner and her workers often claimed they would hear voices or footsteps in the store. Some would swear they'd seen shadows walk by. And quite often, objects in the store would go missing or be misplaced. And not just stones, but everything from chairs to displays and other items would be found completely knocked down or tipped over when they opened in the morning. But never any signs of a break-in. And the basement was where most of the activity took place. Rise Up Paranormal had already investigated the store a few times before I joined the team. And Ken DaCosta, the founder and director of Rise Up, 
felt it was a good place for me to get my first experience as an investigator. And on my first night as an investigator, we had plenty of experiences. We arrived at night, probably around 7 p.m., and loaded all our equipment into the store. Per usual, we did a quick walkthrough of the location. There wasn't a lot really to see. The main floor had many tables filled with boxes and baskets of stones and gems. The walls were decorated with all sorts of Native American artifacts and different tapestries and stuff. And there was a small sitting area in the front of the store with a couple of old chairs and a couch. In one back corner of the store was a small office area with a desk and computer. And in the other back corner was a small break room with a small table and chairs, a mini fridge and a microwave. A small set of stairs in the back of the room led down to a dark and dank basement. It was divided into several small rooms with low ceilings that weren't built for anyone over six feet tall. The main room was filled with shelves and even more boxes of stones and gems. In one of the side rooms, there was a stone cutting machine, and another small side room had the oil tank for the heating system. Plus there were any number of different supplies and cleaning tools located in nooks and corners. It was a bit cluttered as most basements are, but clear enough for us to walk through and investigate. For this investigation, we brought in a few infrared cameras that could see in the dark, and they were hooked up to a digital DVR system that would record hours of video. We also had an assortment of handheld equipment like digital video cameras, digital photo cameras, digital audio recorders, EMF detectors, thermometers, flashlights, and other gadgets. It took us about an hour or so to place all the IR cameras and run the wires up the stairs and connect them into the DVR system. And we tested out all of our equipment, replaced all the batteries with fresh ones. and After some fine tuning and adjusting, we had everything where we wanted it. Once everything was ready to go, we broke up into two teams of three or four and took turns going into the basement for about an hour or so. While one team was in the basement investigating, the other team would be upstairs monitoring the equipment. We had a computer screen connected to the DVR system so that we could watch everything that was happening on the cameras, and someone else would be taking notes about anything abnormal that might happen. Mostly though, the team upstairs would just do their best to sit still and be quiet, as to not interfere with the investigation downstairs. I was with the first team in the basement. For this first hour or so, we chose to just do a simple EVP session and see if we could make contact with the spirit. We set up an audio recorder in the middle of the room and pressed record. I was holding a small digital video recorder, just pointing it at anything that might catch my eye. I was a little nervous in this basement. It was dark and confined and just kind of gave me the chills. There was a lot of dust in the air from all the stones and minerals. And at times, if you relaxed your eyes and just stared into the dark, you could see them sparkle in the air, floating around like the tiniest of little blue and white fireflies. It wasn't paranormal, but it was pretty wild to see. As other investigators asked questions to the spirit hoping for responses, I stayed quiet holding the video camera. 
just standing up against a wall, wondering if we would see or hear anything. Occasionally I would look up from the video screen on the camera and look around the dark room. And suddenly at one point, I saw what looked like a shadow walk across the doorway in front of me. I just figured it was one of the other investigators, but when I looked around, I could tell none of them had moved. I pointed the video camera towards the room and slowly walked towards it. It was in the room where the oil tank was. No other doors in or out. I slowly peeked into the room and looked around. You see something, Tom? One of them asked. I don't know. It looked like a shadow walking by. Yep, they confirmed. A few people have seen shadows in that room. We wrapped up the EVP session and went back upstairs to quickly review if any of the cameras had caught that shadow. But as I tried to play back the video from the camera I was holding, there was nothing to see. The camera was on, but nothing had recorded onto it. I was sure I had pressed record, but nothing was there. At first, the team was just going to chalk it up to me being a rookie. But then Ken decided to check the video from the IR cameras on the DVR, and nothing had recorded there either. For the rest of the night, we all struggled with equipment failures. Flashlights would suddenly flicker or shut off altogether. Gadgets that had fresh batteries would suddenly not turn on. And video cameras would lose focus or go dark. A lot of the data and potential evidence we experienced that night was lost because of the strange equipment failures. At one point during one of the shifts in the basement, an investigator upstairs who was watching the IR cameras on the monitor radioed down to us to check on camera two. He said it looked as if someone had adjusted the camera to point at the ceiling. Now none of us had touched the camera, but when we checked it, sure enough, someone or something had moved the camera into an upward position, something that never happens on its own. When we played the video back from that camera on the DVR, it was lost too. The camera had strangely just gone black as if it had been shut off. And the next thing you know, it came back on and was pointing the wrong way. Whoever or whatever had touched that camera didn't make it onto the recorded video. But not all of our evidence that night went missing. For one of the final sessions in the basement, Ken wanted to do an experiment with a vacuum cleaner. It was an old upright vacuum cleaner used for tidying up the store every day. It had a cord wrapped up on it. It was just sitting in the corner of the room in the basement out of the way. But Ken decided to move it into the center of the room. You see, a few weeks before this night, before I had even joined the team, they were investigating this same location. And at one point while in the basement, something strange happened. Ken and a few other investigators were doing an EVP session when suddenly a wooden board came crashing down. It was an old wooden shelf, probably four feet long, that was leaning up against the wall. And out of nowhere, the board fell over and hit Ken right in the head. Not hard enough to hurt him, but enough to startle him and everyone else in the room. The next day when Ken reviewed the video from that investigation, 
the part of the room where the board was leaning against the wall was just barely in frame. Next to the board was the vacuum cleaner. And when he zoomed in on that spot right before the board falls over, you can see what looks like the vacuum cleaner moving. It moves just enough to bump the board, causing it to fall on Ken's head. So during our investigation, Ken decided to see if the spirit wanted to move that vacuum cleaner again. So we set it up in the middle of the main room in the basement, with the cord wrapped up around the handle, and we directed two stationary infrared cameras at it to try and catch it moving. We spent over an hour trying to communicate with the spirit, encouraging it to move the vacuum cleaner, push the vacuum cleaner, just do anything to give us a sign. I stood there with the handheld camera just watching to see if anything would happen. If you're here, can you move the vacuum cleaner? Ken asked out loud. Give us a sign that you're here. Push the vacuum cleaner over. For more than an hour, question after question, request after request, and nothing happened. It was well past midnight, and at this point I was sitting on the floor, tired, ready to give up on this vacuum cleaner experiment. And then Ken, perhaps tired and frustrated too, started getting a bit more stern with his speech. He spoke more loudly. The last time I was here, you pushed that vacuum cleaner into a board that struck me in the head. Did you think this was funny? Why would you want to hurt me? All I'm doing is asking you to push it again, and now you won't. Are you a coward? He then paused for a moment. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, the vacuum cleaner came crashing down. We all jumped out of our skin. The handle on the vacuum cleaner had come crashing down behind it, as if someone had violently pushed it. It was loud and angry. We composed ourselves, and Ken thanked the spirit for finally cooperating. But we took it as a sign that it didn't want to be bothered anymore. Days later, as Ken was reviewing the video from that night, he couldn't believe that for the first time that night, the equipment hadn't malfunctioned. We caught the video and the audio of the vacuum cleaner being pushed. The sound you just heard is from the actual recording. And when Ken zoomed in and slowed down the video, he saw something pretty remarkable. The vacuum cleaner had been pushed so hard from behind that the back wheels can be seen lifting up off the ground and then slamming back down, causing the arm of the vacuum cleaner to slam into the ground. This was just my first of many paranormal investigations. Oh my God, Kevin. Oh my God. My Paranormal Story is written, produced, and narrated by me, Tom Stewart. Music from this episode, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. If you enjoy my stories and would like to support the podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash myparanormal, or just click on the donate button on my website at myparanormalstory.com. I also have t-shirts and coffee mugs for sale. Unfortunately, podcasts cost money and your support helps me keep this podcast running. So thank you for your support.
Please don't forget to subscribe so you'll know when I've added new episodes. And feel free to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for My Paranormal Story. If you have a podcast and you'd like to have me as a guest, or if you'd like to ask me a question or tell me your paranormal story, you can email me at myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is My Paranormal Story. <laughs>